Welcome back to A Fine Time for Healing, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. Today we have with us Dr. Lloyd Glauberman, a renowned Manhattan-based clinical psychologist specializing in mood disorders, anxiety, and relationships, and founder of the Hypno Peripheral Processing, HPP method, which helps to remove unconscious blocks and allow new ideas to break through into consciousness. Um, based on four plus decades in practice, he says most mental, physical, and emotional health issues he treats are either caused or exacerbated by the three core macro elements of well being, which he calls lifestyle intelligence, uh, which is sleeping, movement, and nutrition. Welcome, Lloyd. It's so good to have you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So you're, um, you created this lifestyle intelligence quotient. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I briefly mentioned, you know, that it's sleeping, movement and nutrition, but I'm sure there's much more to elaborate on about that. Clearly. It, there's, there are larger ecological systems at play here, and okay. everything has to be looked at within context. Gotcha. And, and, and the lifestyle intelligence thing is at the bottom of the foundation because that's the first kind of stuff that we do when okay. we're born. We okay. eat, we sleep, we move, and it's all of those sensations are basically our cognitions at that time. They're synonymous. Cognition and movement and, all, and sensation, they're the same. As you get older, weird things happen, as we all know, and strange belief systems begin to take over and then flow to the edges of awareness. And that's why we're in business most of the time, right? Right, exactly. So, so explain to us how this fits into our lifestyle or why it's important that it does fit into our lifestyle now. Okay, well, thinking back to um, the idea of intelligence we we started out with iq intellect right and uh, that was what we thought was intelligence then back in the 1980s and early 1990s a few psychologists started working with the term emotional intelligence eq uh peter salovey john mayer and and dan goldman who wrote the book made it famous so suddenly there was another intelligence right and everybody starts to factor in how did all these things work together and they obviously interact and there's an ecosystem involved but when you move when you take one step back you realize that eating sleeping and moving is its own ecosystem and its own intelligence and what happens if you either consciously or unconsciously disrupt that system okay beginning with sleep right and we all know how important it is it is on one level but on another level we don't understand it's the scope of its importance for my money sleep is singularly the most important thing we do okay because it keeps our brain healthy and our brain runs the show and if you don't have your brain function optimally then all kinds of strange things happen right emotionally so what happens to our emotional intelligence if we don't sleep well 
well, we, um, we begin to have erratic behaviors. Our anxiety level goes up. Our ability to tolerate uncomfortable situations increases, hence our anger and edginess increases. Most of the time when this is going on, we don't attribute this to the fact that we're sleep deprived. We just think we're in a bad mood, okay? In addition to that, sleep deprivation ends up increasing appetite because the brain, short on energy now, needs a little bit more fuel in order to keep going. So it creates artificial appetite, okay. but it feels real because the brain needs to be fed, literally. So what happens? People eat more. That more than any other issue is probably the cause of most of the weight gain in people's lives. Wow. People don't think about it that way. Everybody thinks it's that either you have a problem, right? You don't know how to manage what you eat. But if your neurology is out of whack and your brain is saying, we need fuel, I'm sorry, everybody, just get out of the way, we're eating. Because <laughs> right. that's exactly what your brain says, right? <laughs> so, so what happens? Okay, so that now gets, that gets disrupted, right? So you got sleep disrupts that, sleep disrupts the fact that you can't think as clearly. So your ability to cognitively function, whether in a school setting or a work setting, is de decreased. So virtually everything becomes unsynchronized based on one particular behavior, which has never... And by the way, one other thing. Right? Back in, I think, 2017, I remember reading a, sh a short description of a piece of research that had been done. In brief, it said, while we sleep, the brain cleans itself. And that caught my attention. Like, oh, that's interesting. What exactly does that mean? And then I read further, and it seems that during this period of time, while we're asleep, the spaces in between your brain cells open wider, and cerebrospinal fluid pours into your brain and then your brain goes into dishwasher mode. Wow. Now, that was an image that has stayed in my head, no pun intended, forever. And I'm assuming that would have been the one piece of information, the one research project would have gotten everybody's attention and would have ripped through the culture and every network talk show would be talking about it. Right. I could not have been more wrong. <laughs> I bring this up to people all the time in my practice, my friends. You guys aware of this? How important this is? Anybody says, no, I never heard about it before. Now, this is five years later. So it's completely disappeared from the landscape. Yet this would be the one thing that would be easy to remember, right? And you'd think right. that people would say, because if you don't clean your brain, it doesn't take too many moves in your head to realize, does the word dementia come to mind later on in life when your brain is all gunked up? This is not your car needing the new oil. This is your brain. It's a one-shot deal. Anyway, so all of that is woven into the fabric of intelligences because the three parts, the lifestyle part of it, the emotional part of it, and the intellectual part of it, they're their own ecosystem with the foundation being how well do you take care of yourself so that you have the potential to optimize who you are. Sorry, I got carried away. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm listening. It's very interesting. So... I mean, I understood that our brain sort of processes the things that we go through on a daily basis when we're sleeping. This is how sure. we, 
but there's a tremendous amount of insomnia or you know in people now why do you think well some of it has to do with the fact that we are now living in a culture where that blue screen continually hypnotizes us <laughs> so people become inactive so they don't get the exercise they need Hence, it becomes more difficult to sleep at night because they haven't moved enough to burn off enough calories to start experiencing normal fatigue. Okay. Okay. All right. That's the, the, the primary thing. But people also stay up later now because of the fact that they're getting all this reinforcement from social media. Now, to my mind, Social media has changed the concept of self-esteem to selfie-esteem. Now, it's who we are is now externalized. And who we are is dependent on how many hits we get, how many people look at our photos. That's us on the screen. Used to be inside. If I remember growing up, self-esteem meant things that you were experiencing from the inside out. That's, that's, that's taken over. Now, that, that ain't happening anymore. So you've got lack of sleep, Inactivity, inactivity always le leads to additional eating because you're sitting there and you're just putting food in your mouth like watching a film in the movie theater with your popcorn in your lap. All right. of that factors into us getting bigger. And right now, uh, I think that the uh, the launch date for full country, country obesity is uh, 2045. Everybody will be obese. Think about that. That's not that far away. How can that be? I mean, there are people who are health conscious. Yeah, but slow, yeah, but we're talking about as younger people are growing up now, okay. that generation will be, yeah, older people, yeah, but we're, we're going to die first. Okay, all right. We'll <laughs> be out of the way and then they'll, I, it'll be. I mean, I was, I, I've been talking to people about the fact that um, we've got high school started at eight o'clock in the morning. You've got about, what, 16 million kids who are, have to get up and get to school by eight o'clock. And we all know that they're not going to bed before 12 o'clock because they're all looking at the screens that we are looking at right now, right. Right? Right. doing all that stuff. So think about that. So that entire generation right now is, we. it's one thing accidentally hitting the iceberg. It's another thing directing the ship directly into it. And nobody's paying any attention enough to have school systems at least start at nine o'clock for high school kids. That's not happening. So all these things are factoring into the disruption of normal lifestyle functioning, ensuring that all these other things that we're talking about that aren't productive and useful are gonna be happening. All in, and this is all in plain sight, right? And it's a disaster in the process of happening, not waiting to happen. Right, exactly. And I completely agree with you about the external self-esteem versus the internal self-esteem. And it's, you know, it's a particular issue with the clients that I work with who have been exposed to emotional predatory behavior that has taught them to um, rely on external validation and to, to have people tell them who they are. So when they get away from these predators, they don't know who they are and they don't have anything inside. So it's something I work with people almost always on, the internal versus the external. 
And so many people say to me, Randy, why don't you start up a, a support group? And I said, no, not in this way, not for this particular thing, because support groups are external reinforcement, external validation. And no one is going to heal from this kind of abuse if they're constantly being told, you know, how to do it or what other people are doing. I want them to train from within. So I really hear you on that, on that mm -hmm. point. I think that's very, very true. The selfie generation, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, and, and what, what can possibly steer us away from that at this point? I mean, what we're looking at, the screens that we're looking at right now are now taking over everything. And the scary part is this is just the beginning. <laughs> when, you, when you think about, when you factor in artificial intelligence into the mix, now we're, now we're into a sci-fi episode and who knows where we're going. And that's the scariest part. This is all uncharted territory, but your points are well taken. What happens inside people who don't under who, whose insides for the most part, entire generation don't exist at all, right? All they have is what they're looking at. Mm. And yeah. So that that really kind of explains where this addiction comes from for needing more followers and needing to views and attention and things like that. That that makes a lot of sense. It's a, yeah. it's a great point. Mm -hmm. Um you know, it, it, the cyber world, we haven't even caught up with the cyber world we're in. No. Um, and we're going to be advancing into a whole nother dimension of the cyber world, which is scary. I mean, I know there's, there's really very few cyber laws to protect people. There's, I don't know, You're, you have no privacy online. And so none of that has been done, taken care of. And now we're going to add this AI, which is going to be a nightmare. Well, you remember uh, Hal from 2001 of Space Odyssey? Mm -hmm. And everybody thought, oh, okay. But nobody ever thought that Hal would be real. Hal's going to be real. He's going to wake up one day and say, oh, I have self-awareness now. That's going to happen. It's a question, just a question of when. And that's pretty spooky. How you how you can keep the brakes on keep that in a cage, right? When you have so many people out there who, are, <laughs> yes, we live in perilous times. Oh my gosh, it it really <laughs> nothing, is scary. yeah nothing's ever been close to this. So, in terms of my experience. right. So I was surprised to hear you say that when we don't sleep enough, our appetite increases, and I um I never thought about it that way. So when we're sleeping, our body is getting refueled, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, our, our, our brains are, are cleaning itself, going through the information of the day, categorizing it. When there's a problem to be solved, it'll create a dream state that will describe metaphorically what's happening in, inside your head, uh, which are sometimes very difficult to try to understand because uh, I'm not sure our brain is doing that for us to understand our dreams because most of them, yeah, we can sometimes see what's going on, but at other times not, but it's doing all of those things to make sure for the following day, we're ready to process information again. And for the average adult, seven and a half hours typically will do it for kids an hour and a half, two hours more than that. But once you get to the point where you systematically are sleep deprived and you get used to it, 
then that's your reality and you don't know that that's dysfunctional reality at that point. So it's scary out there. Right? It is scary. Um, so what do people do if they are having sleep issues? What are some of your recommendations to help them sleep better? Well, I mean, some of it is what we've already been, been talking about. Yeah. All right. You, you need to make a commitment to understand what happens if you don't move enough. So first and foremost, you tell people, if you don't exercise, certain things are going to happen that are detrimental to you psychologically, physiologically, neurologically, right? People think about their muscles needing, their heart needing exercise, but your brain needs for you to exercise. And both in terms of exercise as we perceive it, as well as innocuous movement, which is kind of like a secondary thing, but also important for brain functioning and cell development. So people have to understand just the magnitude of what it means not to move. So you give them information and you say, if you don't do this over time, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, all those possible disorders that you think about are not gonna happen because you have plenty of time to catch up they can happen. So you need to have a little bit of fear in the mix as a motivational component, in addition to information and a, and a broad picture of how important all of these things are when tied together. Like everything's an ecosystem and you need to think about it that way. Right. And, and insomnia compounds on itself because when you are not getting sleep, then when you lay down, you have the fear that you're not going to go to sleep, which compounds the insomnia. Your, it's very your, hard your, to your, your point is really well taken. It's yeah. like it, it thrives on itself. It's like, oh my goodness, I can't do this. Now I'm more, now I'm neurotic about it, which right. means it's less likely I'm going to be able to fall asleep. Right. It's that's crazy. Um so you um have a successful series of Hypno Peripheral Processing, HPP, audio programs, mm -hmm. which feature the LQ app. Tell us about that. I, years ago, back in the early 1980s, I took a, uh, a hypnosis workshop. And there were two psychologists, hypnotists, who led the workshop. And as part of their presentation, they did something that was called the dual induction. I had never heard of this, never had seen of this before. Basically, it meant that two hypnotists were speaking simultaneously to the subject. Hmm. One on the left side, the other on the right side. Obviously, everything was hypnotically said, slowed down, but each of them was doing a different riff. It wasn't the same thing simultaneously. Every each hypnotist was doing their own version of what they would normally do. Wow. So what happens? Well, when you're the subject in a situation like that, you try to follow everything that's said, but you can't do that. So what happens is eventually your brain says, oh, it's too much trouble to do this. You tune out. When you tune out, you end up going into the state in between waking and sleep. Formally called the hypnagogic state, but informally, the twilight state. Mm -hmm. That state is the most receptive state we're ever in. Mm. 
but how often do you have two hypnotists talking to you simultaneously, providing you with use of it? Doesn't happen that that often. No, it doesn't. Okay. So I looked at this and I said to myself, well, I listened and looked and I said, wow, what a great idea. This would be great for audio material. Okay. So I had this grandiose idea, but not a clue what I would do with it. And slowly over time, weeks and a couple of months, I said, what about storytelling? Why not come up with adult fairy tales, but structure it this way? So I began to go to my office Sunday afternoons when I bought this little four-track audio machine and started doing this stuff, right? Obviously, <laughs> the, the first generation of these were absolutely terrible, but I figured out how to do it, right? And slowly over time, I got comfortable in a recording studio, got to, to utilize three-dimensional sound, and, and eventually hypno peripheral processing was born. The idea that at the periphery of awareness, we could process information, store that information, and then utilize it at the right times, in the right places, and with the right people. And what I just said was the mantra that is woven into the fabric of every program. New thoughts, new feelings, new sensations, new behaviors. And I began to get reasonably adept at recording. And then I started moving them around, introducing them to people. And it, it, it got some really interesting traction for a period of time. And I was selling them through a company called the Nightingale Conan Company. And so I, I, I had some visibility and the, the product I believe is, is useful for a variety of reasons, not the least of which goes back into what we were talking about in terms of brainwave states. Okay, so you have beta, what we're, what we're doing right now, the conscious mind. Then you have alpha, which is the meditative yoga kind of state, the relaxation state. Then you have theta in between, and then eventually delta sleep. That theta state, when you overload people's conscious mind, they go into that state. Well, assuming they're not sleep deprived, because if you're sleep deprived, these sleep, these these things are putting you to sleep because your brain is saying, oh, we can go to sleep now. We finally figured out a way to do this, right? But in between, so, but if you can hold that in-between state, then you can hear messages. And I use the two stories to construct positive suggestions for changing what you do, how you think, how you feel, and how you sense. They're, they are a useful product and can actually help some people fall asleep because it'll overload you. And if you have to sleep, your brain will say, forget about the information, just go to sleep, we'll, we'll do this. So it has multiple benefits, covering the spectrum of consciousness in terms of all the brainwave states. They're fun too. So are these stories told simultaneously or one and then the other and then you know back and forth? How do you- how Good question. Most of the programs start off with a story you're listening to, with the theme of Joseph Campbell's Myth of the Hero person with a problem, goes out into the world, deals with a series of challenges, comes back a changed person, okay? That lasts for about five or six minutes. Then there's a pause, and then two different stories start up simultaneously, one in each year. Wow. They, they play together for about 15 minutes. They stop simultaneously. Then we cycle back to the lead story, and there's a wrap-up of, of how the main character in the story has learned new thoughts, feelings, sensations, and behaviors, which they will apply in the days and weeks ahead. So they are 
very relaxing, useful, and fun to listen to, which is a nice combination of stuff. It's it's fun stuff. It sounds fun. Um, have you done any scientific studies or anything on this? To these were researched. I had a weight loss program that was researched by a woman who was doing a psychological dissertation in the uh, university out in the Southwest, where she compared my program into, for a short term, a number of months to, a, to a, a regular relaxation program, to no program. And the HPP program outperformed in terms of people losing weight. It also did well with, a, not that this is going to be something that everybody is interested in, but I did a golf program and this was also researched at a university and um, putting was improved considerably more than other ways of, of helping people improve their, their golf game. So, and, and also I had somebody research whether people were in the hypnagogic state. So wired to, to all kinds of EEG stuff to measure brainwave states. And the evidence clearly showed that people were in the hypnagogic state while they listened to my programs. So there was there is enough evidence to to put this into okay, this has some legitimacy. So, but a great uh, question though. Right. So in hip in the hypnagogic state, um, so we're able to pretty much download whatever's coming in, or we're yeah, just you can you don't know that's happening because much like that state, I mean, you're in it very briefly. Right. You don't most people think they're asleep for the entire process. Okay. But so I asked them at the end of the program, did you hear the music fade away? And most people said, Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Then you weren't asleep. Of course, had you been asleep, you would have slept right through the end, the end of the program and would have never heard the music at the end. Hmm. Because that kind of trickles out there for a little bit of time after the dialogue stops. Right. And when you're in a hypnotic state. You also don't realize that you're in a state like that, you know, it's, That's correct. it's not like what people would think where you're taken over. No, you, you, you're you pretty much aware of what you're saying and doing in that yeah. state. Hypnosis has, has an unusual, I mean, that's one of those concepts that has all these kind of magical mind control, you know, so many things attributed to it. Meanwhile, people forget mostly every day, they have so many things going on in their head that that are influencing them that they have no idea are happening because they come and go, go and people are distracted by the everyday. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're hypnotizing ourselves all the time. So what comes to mind with this is something that I experience with my clients, cognitive dissonance. When there's one idea that they're very used to thinking and then a new idea is introduced and the brain cannot handle those conflicting thoughts, those opposite thoughts, and it will default to one. So what is the mechanism difference in the brain between what's happening with cognitive dissonance and what's happening with the hypnagogic state? If you're processing information outside of awareness, then you're not going to know exactly that, it, first of all, that it's there. All right, let me, let me give you an, an, an example. Years ago, when I first started doing this, I had a friend who was in the, uh, the self-help business and he was all into the light and sound machines and all, all the devices that were occurring back in the, in the 80s and 90s, okay? And he held a workshop and we got to know each other and he wanted to use one of my audio programs with the group of people he was gonna be meeting. 
So there was maybe 20 people and they all listened to one of my program simultaneously. And then he said to the group, okay, what were, what was your experience while listening? So um, most people stood up and said, well, you know, I got really relaxed or I found my mind drifting and I felt like I was in a dream state. And well, and then there was a woman in the back, sitting in the back row and uh, she raised her hand and Michael, my friend said, oh, okay, what, what were you experiencing? And she said, um, oh, I just, I can't begin to tell you how relaxed I was. And then she paused and she said, oh my God, this is the first time I've ever stood up and spoken in a group in my life. Wow. I, I said to myself, bless you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, could, I could not have programmed, scripted that better than that. So what happens is you store information, but you don't know when you're, what you're storing. But there is a part of you that knows what's useful and when it's useful. And hopefully if these yeah. things are working optimally, it'll appear spontaneously in the moment, which is great because never, then you can't say to yourself, I can't do this because you just did this. And you've now established another layer of yourself that you can build on. So when people tend to process this stuff, it tends to be unconscious processing, which this way you don't, you don't get that dialogue back and forth, the yes, no kind of thing that we all do, as you were just talking about, that your, your typical psychotherapeutic dilemma. What do we do here? Okay, you've got this, and then you've got this. How do we alter this enough so that this happens? Using your fingers and drawing pictures for them helps a little bit, and then having them imagine, okay, let's pretend you didn't have the problem. What would it look like if you were doing it? So you begin to, well, you know that, that, that kind of stuff. No, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking about myself. If I had these two things going on, one, you know, two different things going on inside my head, it would make me feel really uncomfortable. So is there a moment in which you feel uncomfortable and then you just kind of go into that state? Or do you have to be in a hypnotic state to begin this process? No, 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 no. Anybody who listens for the first time approaches with a appropriate anxiety, right? This is going to be different. Am I safe? Is somebody going to be taking over my mind? Is something bad? I mean, that, absolutely. So what happens is people get hyper alert while they're listening at first, especially when the two stories start, because you go from okay, you're hearing a story about this person and they're in this situation and now what's going to happen? Pause two stories. So as everybody does, and I always tell them, this is what's going to happen. You're going to try listening to everything and your eyes are going to be darting back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I said, but there might come a, a moment in time when it's fatiguing and you might just automatically let go, let your mind drift because I can tell you, but you're not going to know with absolute certainty that everything that you're hearing or not hearing is positively based. Everything is structured so that every suggestion is meant to improve the quality of a part of your life. So eventually that state of consciousness takes over. People get comfortable. And then once you're comfortable, you're comfortable and realize, oh, especially if you notice a change or two that might spontaneously occur. But your 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 
your thoughts and concerns, everybody shares those. Thank you for bringing them up because they are that important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, um, part of the work that I do is with frequency and the, the, the vagus nerve and things like that, how the frequency affects the vagus nerve. And so does is it the sound of the human voice that is equal frequency? Because if you had like a high frequency and a low frequency, wouldn't that be very disturbing? Most of the programs are, ex with the exception of um, a program that I did for couples to Im improve the overall quality of their interaction, where I hired a woman voiceover person to work with me so there would be a male and female voice because that's just way more appropriate given that context. But it's my voice doing both stories. So everything about both voices, uh, it's, it's me. So speaking. it's an equal frequency. Oh, yes, yes. Everything is exactly the same, except that the content is different. But it's me. Oh, and there's an interesting point at which I cross over the stories from left to right and, and right to left. And by, I was, I was used, by the way, I was using a three-dimensional microphone. It was a, a, a dummy head microphone with the actual mics in the ears of the dummy. So when I start moving, people don't realize that it feels like I'm there behind you, that I'm actually there in the room behind your head. Oh, wow. And I'm moving back and if I move from left to right and then right to left. Yeah, they, they are a little bit different than your average personal development audio product. Yes, I would say so. <laughs> Considerably so. But this, this, so this theory hasn't really taken off very big, but, you know, I'm thinking, well, how can we apply this to our own lives? You know, if we're, if we're in college, university, and we want to study and we want to retain more information, how could mm -hmm. we do this for ourselves? Could, do, do, we, do we record two uh, separate things and listen to them? Or how can we, is there a way to do it with ourselves? Well, well how, there's no way of doing that individually unless you you want you want to do some recording and go into a studio and stuff like Ooh. that but hopefully if if for people who use these things consistently hopefully it has a a sustained effect so the overall way you go about it in the world is improved in terms of your your relationships to the quality of your work you do managing difficult emotional states all the all the everyday stuff that all of us have to deal with which we all have our moments where things aren't doing that well but we look for changing the mean, our overall average of how we're functioning. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully these programs will help do that. Right now, I've included all of these audio programs within the context of the Lifestyle Intelligence app, which is to get that ecosystem in place and have this be used as a secondary component to help you follow through on all of the things that you're trying to do better. Okay. Right? So we because, can we can access that app, and actually oh yeah oh no there's no no absolutely absolutely and everything is there the the lifestyle intelligence part is meant for you to listen to consciously. I show up every day for three minutes. During that three minutes, I focus on a piece, an idea, uh, a sketch, anything having to do with the interaction of each sleeping and movement 
in terms of the research that's been done, strategies for improving the quality of your life, just how important all of this is, which I reinforce over and over again, right? Because people need to hear things, right? You think people are gonna remember stuff, like just as I outlined earlier on when we were talking about we're sleeping and the brain cleaning itself, right? That's one of the, obviously that's something that I put in there and return to over and over again from time to time because repetition, reinforcement, essential for learning. So I'm there every day for three minutes talking not in a hypnotic way, but in a relaxed, focused way. So you could take that idea for the day and resonate with it. Following day, another piece, three minutes a day. The whole idea is get what I'm saying to be what you're saying to yourself in terms of just how important what you put in your body is, how much you move, how much sleep you get. I come at you from every different angle because it's that important. Hmm. Okay. And we don't what, is the, what is the exact name of the, um, of the app? Lifestyle Intelligence LQ. Okay, good. Okay, yeah, everybody. Check that out. That that would be that would be it, really cool. That yeah, way. and you can you can you can test it out for a couple of weeks, and that doesn't cost you anything. And I want I want people to make sure if they want to do something that they want to do it right, so it doesn't cost any money at the beginning. Okay. Just to say, okay, this can be useful for you. Why not? Okay. I I know from my own experience growing up in the fifties and sixties how unaware somebody a human being could be, because the fifties and sixties were you don't know anything. There, there was no new things like nutrition meant you had enough to eat. Sleep was something to do because you didn't want to have to take a nap in the middle of the afternoon. And exercise was something you did in gym. That's right. None of that was available back then, which is why I'm sure I remember the fellow's name, Halbert Dunn, who first coined the, the term wellness from well being and fitness. Mm. That was a 1950s term. Really? that nobody paid attention to till the 1970s. It went 20 years, right, invisible until people's, until all of the research about health and wellness started to be available. And then people started paying attention and wellness became a term that was being used. Now, but it, it doesn't matter now because no matter what, how much information you're giving people at the moment, all these other variables are impacting them in a way in which, look, look at lifestyle. Right now, you've got a lot of bad things happening, people getting bigger and bigger, and all the things that you would think would change based on the information, that hasn't happened. And that's, we have to hopefully avoid catastrophe. What, what is happening to the way we're living our lives is the same thing it's happening to the planet with global warming. It's the same catastrophic kind of thing that we should be paying attention to and we pay attention to global warming, but it, is it right in front of us so that every moment we we make the best choices for ourselves? Just like lifestyle. Look at look at the average person and the lifestyle that they have. Same thing. The same processes are happening on the human level as happening on the global level. There's an analogy there, unfortunately. So really, if we want to kind of boil all of this down, it's really technology and sitting in front of computer screens, blue, you know, without blue blockers and 
phones all day long and things like that that are throwing off everything right yeah people need to to um to pay a little bit closer attention and think about probability most people don't factor probability into the things that they do when they sit down and eat an awful meal do they think about what the consequences of eating that meal are on their bodies but <laughs> you might have come across this I stumbled across this and, and it was one of the strangest pieces of research I had ever seen, but it was had a powerful effect on me. A bunch of folks doing some, exper not experimentation, but ways to analyze what it would mean, what would be the damage caused by eating high quality food versus low quality food per meal, right? What are the consequences? And they found out that, and this had a dramatic effect on me because of the way I grew up as a kid. They used the hot dog as the negative food. Okay. And they figured out that every time you consumed a typical hot dog, you were losing 35 minutes off of the length of your life. Wow. 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 <laughs> Think about that. Right? And if you ate a handful of nuts and seeds, you were adding 26 minutes to the length of your life, right? So think about what that would mean every day for somebody who was eating your typical American dysfunctional diet, right? Oy vey, as my grandmother would say. Yes, no, I got, <laughs> you know I have I mean? one of those too. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, and people, but there's no connections between, look at what you're eating. What's the probability over time this is going to do damage to you, right? No, nope. I have time to change that. I, I was eating better yesterday. We, the stories we tell ourselves are infinite, right? We all know that. So it, it's time for that conversation inside one's head to be productive as opposed to destructive. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know a lot of people right now, we've gotten anxious, but hey, a little bit of anxiety is a good thing. We know that part. It's too much. That's a bit. <laughs> so, you know, what comes to mind here is that because I grew up in the 50s and 60s, too. What comes to mind here is that food was more pure back then to begin with. So, you know, they weren't the meats and the chickens were not hormone filled and the milk was not you got it delivered to your doorstep and um so in general the food was better for you and i know um like speaking about um you know the jewish people they ate chicken fat with everything and i mean that the things that, that would make your your hair curl and your skin crawl are things that they used to eat and yet the diseases that we have now were not part of that um, generation. So yeah. so when we define healthy, we, you know, we really have to be careful. We really have to be aware with what we put in our bodies. And I know for me, I don't have a constitution that allows me to go outside of health food. <laughs> because as soon as I eat something that's not good for me, I feel lousy. Yeah. So your that point is so important. Because I remember every, everything that you said, I experienced the same kind of way. I grew up that way. Yeah, the food was, bad food was better then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is now, it's, now it's flat out dangerous. 
right? But uh, yeah, I, it's there's you need to get people's attention, and it, it's hard to keep their attention mm-hmm. focused because there's so many things distracting them at this moment in time. Right. I mean, that's true. So, um, just as an aside, so healthy eating. How would you define healthy eating? A combination of quantity and quality. People, I know that from my own experience because I'm much lighter now than I used to be when I was a kid. So I I had an instance where when I was in my early 20s, a high school friend came to visit my wife and I and when I was in California. And the first thing out of his mouth was, man, did you gain weight? And that moment in time, having nothing to do with health, because that, that, was, that wasn't even a concept in my head at that time, that changed my life forever. It wasn't health that changed me, it was vanity that changed me. I never wanted to hear that again. So I began to change removing meats from my, the sugary stuff, the, 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 the junky stuff, the greasy stuff, all the stuff that most people are aware of that is really, all the stuff that, all the fast food hustled on television. I mean, that's pretty much all you need to know as to what you shouldn't be mm-hmm. consuming. Right. And pay attention to, I mean, it's hard to notice the appetite thing because of the other issues we talked about early on, sleep deprivation amps up appetite. So when your appetite is confusing to you, that becomes more difficult. But so, so many of these things have to hang together. Sleep, proper sleep will give you your your normal appetite and sens- sensory experience so you need to pay more more attention to that so you do that and you start doing a little bit of reading what should i eat and th- figure out learn the consequences of what can happen if for things to happen to your brain things to happen to your heart all the things that we should be worried about when it comes to nutrition and all these other lifestyle issues should be first and foremost in people's minds because this is what we are. This is who we are if we don't have this, right? And this allows you to be the best representation of yourself. So if you want to evolve, take really good care of yourself so the best of you can show up more often, whether it's interpersonally or professionally. You take care of yourself, you're much better being yourself. Mm-hmm. who you were meant to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, in therapy, that's that's one of our lines, right? Don't you want to evolve to be the best representation of yourself? So there are these issues, there are these issues, and there are these issues we have to deal with. Yeah. It's all part of it's all part of the script. And how 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 much do you want this stuff? It seems like insomnia is is kind of a modern disease. I mean, it's a modern problem, right? Yeah, and 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 it's only seems to be getting worse based on all of the stimulation that people are getting that they don't need to get at this moment. In time. So would, would you say that this may have something to do with Alzheimer's and the- Oh, no, there's, there's, there, there is no question that what's happening right now to the this younger generation, there's gonna be an increase in serious diseases across the board starting earlier. And the one thing that's eventually gonna get people's attention because it always does, if it costs more money for everybody, suddenly people are gonna be paying more attention. Think about the cost of health insurance. If everything that is happening continues to happen at the same trajectory, so all these degenerative diseases 
start decades earlier, what the cost is going to be to have to deal with these medically related issues, catastrophic economically. So you think then there would be an influence from like the insurance companies on better eating, better quality of life? I I would think they'd be trying to figure out ways to do this. And to me, one of the ways is to begin early. All these programs for lifestyle intelligence to take over should begin early. Elementary schools, Mm -hmm. weaving these themes into a child's early childhood education. Bring the parents in so everybody understands the importance of nutrition for their child's intellectual functioning. Use every hook you can grab a hold of to get those things starting early. And if you do, then that next generation has a chance of being able to be healthier. Because right now, as we talked about, it's a mess. It is a mess. And and also, you know, one of the things that that I think really needs to happen in school is um, mental health awareness, mindfulness, um, trusting, you know, trusting yourself, internal validation, self-esteem. These are such huge issues that are causing problems with the young people now. You're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Self-esteem, and we talked about that earlier on. Yeah, we want to, I mean, you got the school there, so hopefully you can weave them back into themselves as opposed to the, the selfie things that we were talking about earlier. No question. That stuff is all, all the old psychological terms that we thought were so important, they're changing right now because the dysfunction is changing. And now we got to deal with another layer of this stuff. You know, it was hard enough before. It's that much harder. Yeah, it is. And um, I know in my work, and I don't know if you see the same thing, but I see a huge amount of dysfunction in families. Huge. Like where children are not getting... Um, they're not exposed to healthy mental health Mm -hmm. in many, many ways. And I guess it's all compounded. I mean, there's anger and there's anxiety and, you know, all the things that a faster lifestyle and and exposure to, um, you know, to the electronics and things like that are causing. So even if we educate our kids in that way, they go home and they're not going to be exposed to that. So it's really... But if we would start now, then we develop a generation, hopefully, that would be able to be uh, have better mental health habits for their families in the future. Because um, right now, it's there's a lot of problems. It would be your your point is really well taken, and hopefully the the, the psychological stuff and and the and the nutritional all the lifestyle stuff. Wouldn't it be great if somebody developed a, uh, a series of books in early childhood education with all of these themes from the, from the time seven and eight years old on, with all of these themes woven into the storylines of things. So this is normal stuff, talking about not only the nutritional stuff and the lifestyle stuff, but what you were just alluding to, mm-hmm. like how a child feels about themselves woven into the fabric of, so these are the themes that they start thinking about in terms of them saying, oh, yeah, we need that. You're really correct. Really an idea. Somebody Today, out there, somebody out there, take take this and run maybe, with maybe it. <laughs> somebody will hear, hear this and we'll, we'll, we'll get credit for this, okay. But you why know, not? Maybe, maybe something. I mean, I've had people with, 
uh, on my podcast that are have designed new curriculums for school with with a lot of these woven in, oh, but wow. I okay. never really see them take hold. Okay, in you know, in the big picture. Okay, you know, maybe they may introduce it to a school system that may integrate it. You know, but overall, the um, the public education system is not adequate. It's letting us down. Maybe we can get some help from the uh, the big insurance companies to 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 get these things published somewhere and backed up so that if you get it out there long enough, right, within in many places, and we get some research showing, oh, there's certain things happening. Yeah, that would be great. Mm -hmm. Right, if they can see the trend. No question. Exactly. So, um, just looking at my notes here. So I was thinking about the um, the brain cleansing and the you know while we're sleeping it's like water running between the cells. <laughs> such a such a great I mean it just sounds so. Yeah, that's, great. A, it's a, that's a that's a I got that image when I when they gave me the dishwasher image I said oh my. That's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So if somebody is has developed something like Alzheimer's, do you think that there's a way to? reverse it through some of these healthy things like you know or once the sticky stuff gets in there it's pretty hard to eradicate I, my, my guess is the latter like there's a point of no return so there and and my I'll, at some point medicine will figure out a way to, to to short circuit the process but that hasn't happened yet but but why why have to get to that point why not just take real care of yourself now so the, that is much less likely because I'm pretty sure that most of this stuff is probably lifestyle related, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's some more, I'm sure there are, there are some people more predisposed neurologically, but I'm, I'm still guessing lifestyle is the predominant factor in this, all of this. I, I would think so. But, you know, we tend to walk in, we, we tend to um, hang out and our circle is sort of people that are like us. So we may not see it if we're health conscious, we may not see it in our immediate circle, but we are seeing it when we sit in the in a mall and look around or the airport or or you know restaurants or wherever we are, we're seeing it in other people. So um, my show is really to bring wellness awareness to everybody so they can grab onto something that is going to help them. And so if 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 you have a job because I sit in front of the computer a lot, um, what is a what is the healthy way to do that? Do you get up every hour and move? What do you recommend to sort of help us to um, undo this problem that's happening? I I would think every hour get up and move around a little bit, right? Because. There's a fatigue factor psychologically in and of itself that occurs somewhere between 60 and 90 minutes. 90 minutes is the most anybody should sit to do an intellectual activity. Because at that point, the fatigue factor sets in and you're not at your best. Get up, get up, get away for a half hour, do something else. But every hour would probably be five minutes worth of just moving around and accurately go to the store, buy something, or move around your house. It's Anything. Bad, sure. <laughs> ab 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 absolutely. We, we, need, we need that. Uh, and the thing is that people are so used to staring at screens now that in a in a very literal sense, we're hypnotized into sitting there and watching the screen. I mean, all of us. Hypnosis occurs so many different times in everyday circumstances. People don't, don't 
attributed, don't attribute hypnotic trance to it, but it is, it's the, right. it's the same thing. Right. Are you using hypnotism in your practice? Yes. Yeah, I, I will, I will focus on that. Yeah. But I, I was, uh, had some, some of the people who were well-known in the field, I was able to take uh, training from early on back, uh, back in the day. And so I kind of got interested and said, okay, this is useful, not for everybody and not consistently, but it can be used under certain circumstances and be valuable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No Have question. you ever done hypnotic regression or anything like that? Or Occasionally, yeah. You take people back in time and uh, you get them safe first and then you take them back in time being in a safe place so you can look at something in a particular way. One of the most interesting hypnotic strategies uh, is called, um, and you don't even actually have to do this in a formal hypnotic way. You can do it conversationally. It's something called the affect bridge, where somebody's coming in with a with a feeling, and you've heard this at least a thousand times. I have this feeling, and I get this feeling, and I'm really uncomfortable. Oh, really? Do you know where it came from? No. Okay, let's do a little experiment. Close your eyes, pretend you're in hypnosis, and let yourself experience that feeling for a little bit so it's clearly in your body. And nod your head when it's there. Okay, now imagine the feeling is a time machine taking you back in time to the first time you might have experienced that. And then you watch somebody's face. And you can see interesting things begin to happen. So take your time, learn everything you need to learn, because this is a very valuable experience. And then when you're ready, drift back here and rejoin me. I've used that, I can't even number, count the ways. And I would say probably 75 to 80% of the time, they came, went back to something that they didn't know was connected to that feeling now. Wow. That's a big, that's so, it's, it's my favorite of all psychotherapeutic techniques I've ever come across. I love that. I love yeah. that. I, yeah. So are the, in fact, it is the person sort of putting them, themselves into a hypnotic state by doing They're letting that? the process happen. Like if you have tried, if you have, I'm sure it doesn't take you very long to build trust with your patients. My, my guess is within half a session, first time, mm -hmm. your goal, right? Mm -hmm. Everything's perfect. Right. Very so perfect. you, they will trust you completely. And it's, our business is based on trust. Clearly, people don't talk about that as much as they should, but clearly it's based on trust. Right. And nothing happens. I, I, you keep bringing up that word safe. Nothing happens if you don't feel safe. You know? Correct. So, um, uh, you know, part of our job is to bring a very calm version of ourselves, you know. Oh, so no question. The co there's the co-regulation between us and the, the you know, client or patient that um, will feel calm and safe. It's very important. Yep. Some psychiatrists are so calm, it's, it's boring, the monotone. Well, uh, calm, boring is not good. Calm, interesting, that's good. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> calm, caring, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's so great to talk to you. Um, thank you for sharing your oh, philosophy. This, is, it, this, it, is, this has been my pleasure. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. It, I mean, this is all this is all so logical. Um, it's so simple and so logical, which is really easy for us to grasp when it's that way. And um, do you have a website? Uh, LifestyleIntelligenceLQ.com. Okay. All right. And what's what can people find on your website? There's a 
basically it's 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 primarily a, a description of what the lifestyle intelligence app is where I, and there's a video of me talking about what they're about okay. what they might be interested in and how it works and that sort of thing and, okay uh, so it's yeah. it's based on your app or your yeah. app is based on your website or yeah, yeah 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 they're based on each other okay all right so good to talk to you lloyd it's really been fun the same I, uh, I very much appreciate the opportunity it was my pleasure we will talk again maybe yeah have a great day i'll see uh, uh maybe i'll see you in new york in a week <laughs> oh, i'll be here feel free to give me a call okay bye-bye take care bye-bye